Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to look at 3 John chapter 1. Say 3 John. 3 John chapter 1. And you know, this was kind of already stirring within me uh, before the passing of my grandmother. But I, I think this is... This is one of those moments in life where pressures can come in, circumstances, adversity. And you know, what's really on the inside of us is what comes out. And so I, I want to look at what the Apostle John says here in 3 John chapter 1. Look at this in verse 2. He says, Beloved. Now stop right there for a minute. I love that he starts out, Beloved. I have a, I think it's Reverend Keith Hershey. He says, Be loved. Come on, somebody. We're loved. He says, beloved, I pray that in all respects, how many respects? All respects, you may prosper and be in good health. Look at this, just as or even as what? Your soul prospers. Now, you know, if you've gone to church for any time, you've heard this scripture. You've heard it preached depending on what denomination you're from or, or what background. There's all types of things, you know, that can be brought out of this. But really, it's simple if you look up the original language. It says, I pray that in all respects you may prosper. This word may prosper in the Greek literally means have a successful journey. And, and think about this, too. How many know it's really easy to read something and transfer it to our time, our time you know, 21st century? I mean, this was a time where the church was, they weren't struggling in unity so much, but they were struggling in that they had both religious persecution, because many of these people were coming out of Judaism. And so it wasn't just, you know, we always, we give the Pharisees a bad rap and the religious leaders a bad rap. And I often remind myself that the religious leaders, some of them follow Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They loved Jesus. But many times it was family. It was friends. And I think it's hard for us to really grasp the closeness of the Jewish community. Even to this day, there's a, there's a really close-knit family unit. And to be suddenly rejected from that, I can't even imagine. And so people were facing rejection. On the other side, Rome wasn't too happy about this new Caesar or king that they were proclaiming. And how many know if you have any, if you know any history with Rome, they're all about themselves. It's all about their Caesar. I remember telling someone that, you know, in Scripture, it's interesting if you understand kind of how things are, are flowing out of what they're saying, that a lot of times they would actually take from Roman propaganda to make a proclamation. And one of the things that would be said from Rome is that there's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than that of Caesar. How many know that in Scripture we read there's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than that of Jesus? So people weren't being persecuted because they were talking about like the sweet by and by and afterlife. They were being persecuted and fed the lions because some, they were saying there's another king in town. Does that make sense? And so when he's writing this, this is what blows my mind because this isn't like necessarily, I don't want to diminish what I go through, my rejection, my loss, my hurt, but he's saying I pray in 
every area of your life that you may have a successful journey and be in good health. He's speaking to people in context, in this time of history, but look at this, he doesn't stop there. He says, just as or even as your soul prospers. Now in the Greek, this even as means according to or in the same proportion. So he's keying in on something here that it's taken centuries for us to learn through education and psychology is that where the state of your soul is, it affects everything else, every facet of your life. Now, anyone know what the soul is? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. So we're talking about mental health. We're talking about emotional health. Pastor, how is that spiritual? Because everything's spiritual. It's all connected. And so I often say this, that as a believer, it isn't so much that I'm growing spiritually, because I believe that my spirit is one with God in union. You know, my dad used to say, I'm wall-to-wall God on the inside. That's who I am. But it's really this growth of your soul. It's learning who you are. It's learning about yourself. It's learning what makes you tick. It's learning maybe some of the issues you've gone through in your life. And so he's, he's really trying to bring us to this place to say, guys, listen, everything flows from your soul. And then Paul says this, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 80 says, finally, brethren. So if someone says, finally, brethren, it's like, okay, listen, I've said all these things, but I really want to get to the main point. What is the main point? Listen to this. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, in other words, anything virtuous, listen to this, if there be any praise, what do you do? Think on these things. What do we think with? <laughs> You're like, not always. <laughs> I get it. But that's what we think with. He's literally speaking to the soul. He's saying there's something about what you give time to, what you give thought to. Does this make sense? And look at this in verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, one word, do. I mean, that would take a lot to say. I mean, Paul's saying, look at my example, do this. And Paul knew he wasn't without fault, right? But he knew who he was in Christ. He knew, he really had a grasp, I believe, on his genuine, authentic, true identity. That connection that he had with God. And look at this, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, that doesn't mean that God's like, you're doing it right, I can be with you now. This whole life is about awakening, isn't it? And so what we're doing is we're awakening to the truth that God is right here, that peace is right here. The God of peace is here for me in these moments. And so today I want to talk about this idea, and if you want a title for the message, you can also follow along in the YouVersion app. It's pretty simple there. But it's this, spills happen. Spills happen. Say that with me. Spills happen. Now I want you just to imagine for a moment that you're, let's say you have a cup of coffee and you're at the office or home or even here at church, and someone comes up and they bump you. And the coffee spills all over the place. Now, if someone were to ask you, why did you spill coffee? What would be your answer? 
Bruce, man, Bruce, I'm just going to preach to you because you've got it, Bruce. It's pretty simple, right? If someone bumps you, that's why the coffee spilled, right? But I want to go another level deeper. I just realized Jessica was up here. Am I, am I speaking slow enough? Okay. She's like, I got this, dude. Just preach. But think about this. If someone says, why did you spill coffee? All of us go, well, didn't you see? Someone bumped me. It's not that it's necessarily the wrong answer, but I think there's a deeper answer. You spilled coffee because there was coffee in your cup. Because if there was tea in the cup, what would you spill? Right. If there was juice in, this is a hard one, if there's juice in the cup, what would you have spilled? Juice. See, whatever is inside the cup is what you spill out. So here's the question today. What's in your cup? We're not talking, oh, fold. here we go. <laughs> Leave it to the Western world with all its propaganda and commercials and selling, right? That's what we go to. But what is in your cup? I want us to imagine today that our life is a cup. Imagine that you're a little teacup, short and stout. No, I'm just kidding. But, but let's imagine, that just came, that wasn't even my notes. That's Holy Spirit right there. You're like, I don't know, buddy. It might be another spirit. Let's cast it out. But I want us to think about that. Whatever is in the cup is going to come out. If you look at your own life as a cup, by the way, the life that's been given to you is a gift by God, right? And so we all possess this cup, right, this life. Well, what are we filling our cup with? What are we putting into the cup? And here's the thing. Once you fill the cup, guess what? Spills happen. I actually had a subtitle today I thought was kind of cool. Caution, contents may be hot. Some people, they got some hot contents, and when they spill, you're like, dude, this is too hot. I got to get out of here, right? But the thing is, living life is going to cause some spills. Things are going to happen. You know, when circumstances and adversity come along and shake you, what's going to happen? Well, whatever's inside is what's going to come out. See, it's easy to fake it until you get rattled. And I found this in my own life. I, this what's on my cup has begun, become this question almost in jest, but like if something happens and I see that I react a certain way, I go, oh, hey, Andrew, what's in your cup? Because there's something there. There's a trigger that's causing a reaction. And one of the best things that my therapist has ever told me was he said, your life as you mature will come to a place where you respond to situations and people rather than react. Because there's a big difference. See, reaction is a knee-jerk thing. Someone triggers you. Pastor, how is this spiritual? Because everything's spiritual. And, and we need to ask this question. If the apostles are saying that, I wish that you are in good health, that you have a good journey, but it's in proportion to how well your soul journey is, then there's some work to do. Every single one of us. Every single one of us, you may have had the happiest, best home, at least to your you know, best knowledge compared to others, but all of us have something in there that we need to work through, and we usually see it when pressure comes. You know, years ago I heard another analogy about the pressure of life coming and squeezing you and whatever squeezes, you know, whatever's inside is what's going to come out. And I do like that idea, 
But I also want us to realize the truth about us. The truth about you at the core is that there's goodness in there. Why? Because you're made in the image and likeness of God. You're like, man, I wish, I wish I could just love more. I wish I could be more forgiving. I wish, well, guess what? It's already in there. Why? Because you've been created to forgive and to love and to show grace to others. It's just how it is. Now, if our reaction to situations, circumstances, adversity, or people, it isn't what we desire, then that means we've been filling the cup with the wrong stuff. Does this make sense? So this isn't legalism. This is something to help us think through the process of why is it that I react that way when someone says things like this? Why is it that I react in this way when adversity comes my way? Listen, we know adversity is going to come. And the worst thing to do is pretend like it's not real and sweep it under the rug. Right? We, we shouldn't fake it until we make it. We should say, okay, this is real. This is legit. Let's deal with it. But through that process, how do I learn about what's in the inside of me? Look at the person next to you and say, what's inside your cup? See, I, I picture it like this. I, I picture that, and I picture Heavenly Father as a giver, right? And so I picture that God has given us all these wonderful containers, canisters, vats, barrels, you know, if you will, um, full of goodness. It's, it's just full of goodness. He's a good God. He gives good things. But here's the thing. We can decide to fill up with his goodness, or we can go our own way. We can fill it up with our own concoctions. We can fill it up with our own mixed drinks, if you will, of life and say, okay, you know what? Uh, instead of that joy and that gratefulness, that peace and that humility, that uh, grace, that love, that reconciliation, right? Beautiful things, that forgiveness that God's put there. I think what I want to do is put in a little anger, a little bitterness, maybe some resentment because you don't know what they did to me. Well, maybe I don't, but you holding on to that is not helping you. And guess what? When push comes to shove and when you're squeezed, I'm speaking from experience, not because I've arrived. Guess what comes out? That stuff. Not the goodness. And so I don't want my life to, you know, when things get tough, I don't want retribution and harsh words and, and reactions rather than responses to flow out of me. So what do I do? I have to say, Lord, I give my life to you. I trust you. And Holy Spirit, I need help in these moments to find out the truth of who I am. Because the, the thing is, when we react to things, we're responding from maybe trauma from your past, uh, rejection, uh, PTSD of sorts. I told you, I think it was last week, I was speaking to someone on the phone who, you know, they grew up and experienced a lot of religious legalism and trauma. And they just came to a point where they just, they didn't, they didn't have, it wasn't like I've had it with God. They just had it with systems and people because there was mistreatment and there was control and there was manipulation. How many of those exists in religion? It does. And how many of this that Jesus didn't come to give us more religion? He came to show us relationship to show us our true selves. Repent, change your mind. The kingdom of God is within you. It's already there. So awaken to it. And so when life gets tough, what spills over? 
Now, this isn't a message of shame or condemnation, but just think of those moments. Because there's certain people, you know, through this process that can really bring you to that place where you react to situations. And even later, you might go, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. Which is a good place to be because at least you're recognizing it. Because there's times in my life where I didn't recognize. I thought, well, I'm in the right, and that's all that matters. And so it's, you know, for me, I've been on this journey. I'll just be personal. I've been on this journey, uh, you know, because of rejection, uh, because of certain religious trauma, because of just these, these things that have caused issues in my life. I mean, I see it now. When I respond to my wife a certain way or a person a certain way, I can see it. But what's happened in my life is I said, okay, I need to be intentional with being the best I can be. Now, this isn't lack of faith. And this might seem like a psychology thing today, but I'm just telling you, the scripture deals with it. Jesus dealt with this all the time. And so through mentorship and through uh, therapy and through uh, prayer and meditation and contemplative prayer, I found these practices that have helped me to go, oh, there's stuff in there. Because all of us have a trigger somewhere, sometime, that makes you go, whoa, why did I respond like that? There's something there. It doesn't mean that we're bad. It doesn't mean that we're evil people. It just means there's something there. And how many would love to have healing in every part of their, their uh, self, including their soul? Come on, someone. And so what happens is Jesus, he gives us life, right, this cup. But here's the thing. We choose how to fill it. So today what I want to work toward is filling our cups with gratitude, Filling our cups with forgiveness and joy and words of affirmation and kindness and gentleness and love for one another. Why? This is what Jesus did for others. Think about this. Jesus had his cup so full of goodness and knowing who he was that he was filling the cups of others. Wouldn't that be a great place to be? Because I'm telling you, I don't care what you do in life, you know, where you work, and especially you work in ministry, I'm telling you what, there's a constant flow of people who don't know who they are, who react constantly to things. All you have to do is talk to some, I talk to other pastors, it's like, man, people can be mean-spirited. But what you realize is, it's not you that's the problem. One of the one of the greatest freedoms I ever experienced was when I realized that people's issues and trauma and being triggered wasn't me. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't care and that I can't be there, but you know what it does? It changes me from being reactionary to a responder. First responders. Come on, baby. Responding to a situation. And so I've learned how to go, okay, well, so what, what is it that made you feel that way? Realizing that I'm not the problem. People just project things on, not just me, all of us. But when we get to a place where we start to work through our own stuff, we start to realize that everybody's got stuff. And then we have more grace toward people, even when they're just being all-out jerks to us. It doesn't mean you have to be in that toxic situation. You can remove yourself, but you remove yourself, and that's how it becomes so easy to forgive them as you're removing yourself. Say, you know what? This isn't about me. And when you get to that place, you start. It's just a place of maturity. Now, am I there all the time? Nope. And what I found, the hardest people 
to learn to respond to are the closest ones to you. You're like, man, I got some work to do. But it's all good, right? No condemnation. But look at this. Paul is telling us that we're supposed to think on things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and good report. I mean, it's like, okay, any, any more good things you can put in there, Paul? I think he's trying to make a point. You ever realize this with Paul? He will explain to the 10th power stuff. And you're like, we, how many times did his friends go, Paul, we get it, dude. You just go on and on and on. But he's trying to make a point. I said this before, when Paul would, would pen these words, you know, through groups of people that would figure, how are we going to put this together? They would put these words down on purpose. So the reason that he puts so much makes me go, okay, there's a reason here. He, he's really trying to get the point across that we need to think on these things. Well, if that's the case, what does think mean? Well, the, the word think here in the Greek is the word logizomai, and it means a logical reasoning by taking everything into account. To take inventory and meditate. Now think about this. He's telling us to take inventory. Now this is deep. I mean, when I think about this and what we've learned over the last 2,000 years, I'm like, Paul had to be inspired because he was on to some stuff that we haven't learned up until the last maybe 100 years or so, Right? But he's saying to meditate on, first of all, take inventory of what's going on within your soul, but then meditate on these things. What that tells me is that many times we meditate on other things. And from my own experience, I know this. Someone, you know, maybe hurt me. Well, not maybe. Someone's hurt me in the past. And what would I do without realizing it? I would meditate on that hurt. I would meditate on that offense. I didn't even realize what it was doing to me, but it was eating me up inside. And I think I've even shared before that, you know, there's particular people that have done things to me. And I could be at a restaurant eating, and the waiter's name could be the same name as that person that did that to me. And I would just hear someone go across the room, hey, and say their name, and something would rise up inside of me. And that wasn't even the person. Now, I got control. It's not like I deck the guy, and he's like, whoa, what's going on, man? Well, there's another guy with your name. Wasn't that disturbed? What I'm saying is we have to take inventory. Is there something within us that needs healing, that needs to be brought to the surface? This is really important. So it's a logical reasoning by taking everything into account. Take inventory, and then what? Meditate. Meditating on what? Whatever's true, whatever's honest, whatever's good. Good report. Oh, man, that's beautiful. There's something to this. We could even say, going along with our theme, drink it in. Drink these things in. And then he says in verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, what did he say? Do. Do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, this word in the Greek, do, it's pretty simple. It means to practice, to exercise, to perform repeatedly and habitually. Now, this is interesting to me because depending on, you know, what your background is in religion or church or denomination, this can mean a lot of different things. I mean, you know, to some of us grace folk, it's like, whoa, whoa, I, I don't have to perform. 
But how many know there are things that we do? But it's why do we do them? If it's out of fear and manipulation and because we have to, well, that's an issue. We, we need to fix something there in our soul. That's definitely a soul thing. But if it's something out of love, if it's something out of, hey, this is the, think about this. All this doing, this just came to me, all this doing is from love, loving yourself. And we rarely hear that in church, right? We hear love God first and foremost. Do you agree with that, Pastor? Absolutely. But do you know why we love God? John tells us because he first loved us. Come on. So unless you can even receive the love of God, that's going to be a hard thing to do. But what do we hear? Love God and love others. You got to love people, right? But it's not very often we hear love ourselves because we feel like that's an egotistical thing. Well, it can be. Listen, we've all ran across those people. I might have been one of those people one time. Man, I love myself. I'll be honest with you. People who love themselves in that way, they actually don't love themselves. It's just all an act. It's all a mask. We, we put masks on to act like we're something we're not when we don't realize we're already there. Come on, somebody. This goes all the way back to the garden story. Adam and Eve, I mean, they were sowing leaves and they were covering stuff up. Why? Because they felt like they weren't quite up to par. And God came and said, guys, listen, listen. You're already there. Now we got to deal with some mind stuff because you've made some choices based on false identity. But we want to get you to the place where you see yourself as true. But, but look at, I mean, the story of humanity has been this continual place of trying to find who we are and figure that out. And sometimes we try to do it without that connection, and it just doesn't work because you, you, you can't know who you are without the connection. But Paul says here, everything that you've learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, I want you to practice, I want you to exercise, I want you to perform repeatedly, I want you to perform habitually. Isn't that wild? And so what I see here, it's a practice. And so, you know, maybe this is a point in your life where you say, you know, maybe... I need to talk to someone about what's going on and some of the stuff that's happened in the past. Maybe I need to find a space. I say this all the time, but we live in a culture that is go, go, go. My wife and I were, I was filming a corporate event on on Friday and she was helping me. And it was wild. Like there was 200, 250 people at this event. I mean, there was all kinds of vendors, things going on. And she said, do you notice that Every single person here, we looked around, no judgment, because we can be the same, right? She said, you notice that every single person, if they're not having a conversation with someone, their face is on their phone. It's like, it's constant. And then those same people, me included at times, we go home, we turn on Netflix, we turn on Hulu, we turn something on, and we just continually feed, continually feed something in front. It's like, we don't like silence, we don't like quiet. I'm here to say, we need that. We've got to find a space like that. It has radically changed my life to find a space. If you take 20 minutes and just be quiet. Prayer time isn't you just always telling everything, telling everything to God. I, I, thought, I saw a meme or something. I, don't, I can't remember exactly, but where it's like God's there. You come in, you just blah, 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 and then you leave. There's no space to hear spirit. There's no space to just have silence and calm and peace. And that's important. See, 
Sometimes religion has gotten so crazy and weird that we go, meditation, oh, that's voodoo, that's weird, that's like Eastern, wait a minute, didn't God say meditate on my word day and night? So meditation might be God's idea. Oh, wow. And I'm telling you, it will radically change your life. Find quiet spaces. It's literally creating an atmosphere, um, a lifestyle, if you will, just a way of living where we get to choose what we put in our cup. We get to choose what we put in our life. That's another thing. Sometimes we let other people put stuff on our cup, and we don't even resist. I don't care if they have a title. I don't care if they say, I'm a follower of Jesus. If it's not Jesus stuff, don't let it in your cup. I'm just being honest. People have said and done a lot of crazy stuff in the name of Jesus that had nothing to do with Jesus. Not mentioning names, I'm just saying, come on, is this true? I mean, look through human history. Just because you put crosses on a shield doesn't mean it was of God. Right? There's a lot of things that have been done and said in the name of Jesus. So we have to get to a place where, and, and um, maybe it's because I've gotten to a place in my life where I feel empowered enough to say no. That doesn't mean I go, no, close your mouth. I will not receive thy badness, right? It just might mentally, I'm hearing and I just go, yep, don't receive that. Yep. Why? Because I love that person. And nine times out of ten, that person's not necessarily intentionally trying to manipulate me. They're not trying to, there's no ulterior motive. Let me put it that way. Some people, yes. But I think the majority of people, even people with, you know, religious titles, they're not trying to manipulate you on purpose. They're actually projecting onto you their own insecurity and their own issues. But see, when you get to a place where you begin to know yourself and you're confident in who you are in Christ, not, not pride in, in, in having a big ego, I'm just saying confident in who you are, you start to go, oh, I don't receive that. Okay, I'm catching on to this. I don't receive that. And you'll start to actually, when people talk, you'll start to go, that's their stuff, not mine. It's an absolutely beautiful place to be. And it's a place where you actually can care for people because you're not reacting to the situation, feeling like you have to be on the defensive. You're actually on the offensive, loving them and caring for them. Does that make sense? Because sometimes we just can't control what other people do to us. But again, in those situations, we can choose how we will respond and what we determine to put into the cup of our own life. I want to look at Philippians 4 again here as we bring this to a close. I love this in the mirror translation. This is so cool. Did you receive anything from this today? Look at this. He says, now let this be your conclusive reasoning. Consider that which is true about everyone as evidenced in Christ. Now see how he's saying, I want you to change your perspective. Because we talk all the time about we don't want to get into this us and them mentality, right? Well, this is how we do it. We begin to see every single person's a child of God, but not everyone knows it yet, right? We're all made in his image and likeness, but not all of us are living out of that. Come on. In fact, I still got some work. I'm not living it all the time. I'm still learning. But look at this. This next line is awesome. Live overwhelmed by God's opinion of you. This is so cool because if you get to a place where God's opinion is what matters most, the opinion of others won't. Because 
I've had plenty of time in my 51 years on this planet where I considered someone else's opinion more important than God's or mine, not even realizing it. But what do they think about me? What would they think if I? What would they say if I? Come on, anyone been there? Look at this, live overwhelmed. He's not just saying live. He's saying live overwhelmed by God's opinion. Like you're so immersed in God's opinion that the opinion of others really doesn't matter. He says, acquaint yourselves with the revelation of righteousness. Come on, say, I'm righteous. Realize God's likeness is in you. This is what's so cool about the kingdom. In a, in a worldly, we can even say antichrist view, because by the way, we're not going to do end times lessons here, but John told us the spirit of antichrist is already here. It's just anything that's against Christ. It's against the kingdom. Does that make sense? Okay. It's not about numbers and all this stuff. We can talk about that another time, maybe in a class to maybe give you guys some freedom and no fear. But this idea, anything that goes against the grain of that. And so what happens a lot of times is when we, when we think we're built in the image and likeness of that mentor or that system, what happens is we believe that we get worth and value from what we've done, what we have, our titles, what we progress to. Does this make sense? But see, in that system, it's easy to become prideful and haughty because of look at what I've done. But you notice how the kingdom here, this is so cool. He says, acquaint yourselves with the revelation of righteousness. Realize God's likeness is in you. What happens in this moment is you have a sense of, what's the word? It's not pride, but just worth and value in who you are but it never comes across prideful. You never look down your nose at someone else. See, isn't this neat how the kingdom, it's just a different way of thinking on things. He says, make it your business to declare mankind's redeemed innocence. Think friendship. Discover how famous everyone is in the light of the gospel. Mankind is in God's limelight. When we see this through Jesus, mankind was put in the spotlight to say, I love you. I desire a relationship with you. And it wasn't just for a certain people. It was for all the world. For God so loved the world he gave. He didn't just give Jesus. He gave you worth and value so you could see who you are. Come on, somebody. Look at this. Ponder how elevated you are in Christ. You notice how this isn't haughty words. This is just a confidence in who you are. Study stories that celebrate life. Verse 9, these things are consistent with all that I teach and live. You can confidently practice what you hear and see in me. The peace that inevitably flows, this follows, this lifestyle is more than a fuzzy feeling. This is God himself endorsing our oneness. Come on, somebody. If you ever feel like you're not in union with God, if you ever feel, I should say, if you don't ever feel that oneness, it's not up to you to feel it. God's already endorsed it. This is God's endorsement, right? This is what he's done for us. Do you notice how God always initiates? And all he wants us to do is respond in faith. 
trust that what you say about me, Heavenly Father, is true. Now, there's been plenty of time in my life and on this journey that I've said those things, but I haven't felt it. God, I know I'm worthy. I sure don't feel it. God, I know I'm worthy. I know I'm accepted. I sure don't feel it. I know. Come on. And that's where this practice comes in. That's where we get to better ourselves by saying what God says about us. How can it be wrong to tell yourself what God said about you? Amen? God himself endorsing our oneness. Now that's something to be excited about. Amen? Will you stand with me? Now look at the person next to you again and say, what's in your cup? I I heard someone once talk about the word atonement and just gave it a whole different, I want to study this out a little more, but they said atonement, at one minute. Isn't that kind of cool? You're at one minute. In the atonement, you're made one. You're in union. For some of us, we have to see that because, you know, it's easy to look at the sum total of what you did yesterday or, because let's be honest, some of the stuff we do, it's out of line with who God made us to be. And like I said before, if we recognize it, that's a start. Because at least we're seeing those things. But when you get to the place where you realize that, hey, my actions don't reflect who I truly am or my at-oneness, it just shows that I have stuff to deal with in my life. I have stuff to deal with in my soul, right? What was the desire of the Apostle John? That you would be in good health, have a successful journey, but it's all in proportion to the journey of success in your soul. So how many know there's work to do? But how many know God's with you the whole time? Right there. The the best thing I ever learned is that God's not in a hurry with me. I'm in a hurry with myself sometimes. If I could just, oh, yeah, yeah. But Holy Spirit's like, whoa, whoa, chill out, dude. (laughs) You're being too hard on yourself. That's great that you see that and you want to change it. Let's do it together. Because you trying to do it of your own will, not going to last very long. Let's do a heart change in your mind, will, and emotions, and then you'll see those things change, and then you'll see different actions and different words. Come on. Isn't that beautiful? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your union with us. At one mint. It's so beautiful. I pray that we would awaken to the truth of who we are and whose we are, that we would come to this place, maybe not today or tomorrow or next week, it might take some time, where we're confident in who we are as a son and as a daughter. And I pray that for some of us, maybe we've already been doing the work, which is beautiful, and it takes time, and we're, we're working on that process, but maybe for some of us, this is the time to start some of those things. Just one thing. One trigger, one, one reaction that I just don't like when I react that way. What is that? And yes, it's spiritual because everything is spiritual. Because, Heavenly Father, your desire is for us to clear those things out to a place where when others see us, all they see is you. And we know, Heavenly Father, that you are love. If people can see love through us, It's just a reflection of who you are. Man. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. 
thank you, Father, that I am made in your image, in your likeness. Help me, Holy Spirit, to see that, to recognize that, to have confidence in that. And I pray, Holy Spirit, if there's anything within me that's a lie, something I'm believing wrong, show that to me. And Jesus, I welcome your healing into my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Are you encouraged this morning? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.